The Veterans Report is sponsored by James Cannon. Welcome to the Veterans Report, the region's only show dedicated to those who have served our country. We have the latest news and information on resources available to veterans, including health care, education, employment tips, local volunteer organizations, and more. To those who have served, those who are serving, and to those who will, we salute you. And now, the host of the Veterans Report, Jim Cannon. And welcome back to the Veterans Report. Ready to ready to take off on the glide path here in a second. Thanks for joining us today, uh, especially those folks who might be uh, recovering from the hurricane down south. Good luck to you in in the cleanup and uh, and you know there are a lot of resources available. So <clears throat> if you need help, reach out. Uh, we can you know between us and uh, and our partners, we can certainly steer you in the right direction if you if you need assistance on anything. Um, thankfully the storm itself wasn't too destructive, but I think the flooding is <laughs> picking up the slack for that. So, uh, hang in there. It'll dry out. <clears throat> so and we want to say hello to our partners at WTF nation radio, uh, ice and flash and the whole crew down there. You guys are, are doing a bang up job. And I know you, you disappeared for a couple of weeks there because you were focused on hurricane relief and helping out and spreading information and, and lending a hand. So thank you for doing that. It's a good effort. <clears throat> you can hear, well, not hear, you can uh, you can catch all the news that we talk about on the show on the website, theveteransreport.com. We're also on Twitter at The Vets Report and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I think that's enough for, for this show. So, again, if you want to catch all the news, headlines, information, you can head over to the website, theveteransreport.com. Oh, we also house the uh, the interviews there, the sound files for all the interviews and the people we talk to. So you can jump on there and listen to it, um, download it. If it doesn't download and you want a copy of it for some weird reason, uh, drop an email and we'll you know we'll get you a copy of it. So, <clears throat> oh man, a couple of big stories this week. So we got uh, yesterday was POW slash MIA day. It's a, a national observance, prisoners of war and missing in action. Uh, so there were there were observances across the country, including with uh, Vice President Pence and Defense Secretary Mattis, uh, all all observing that day in ceremonies. So if you don't if you aren't aware of uh, the impetus for that, I'm not going to walk through it because we want to get to other stories. But if you're not aware of the history of it, look into it. Uh, it's kind of a cool kind of a cool backstory. Uh, not the topic. I'm not. I'm not making light of the topic. I'm saying the the story itself, the history of the the actual day of observance is kind of neat, <clears throat> and the the flag design too. So check it out. It's kind of it, it's a, it's an interesting interesting walkthrough. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, totally off topic here. So I don't usually do coffee in the afternoons or the evenings. I'm a I'm a morning coffee guy. So I don't know what kind of coffee drinkers you are, but I'm a, I do strictly morning typically, but for whatever reason, man, today I could not, could not get the cobwebs out of my eyes. So I stopped by, I got a coffee and the guy said, you know, I was in, uh, he said, well, do you want a flavor in it? And I said, uh, you know, I'm thinking the flavor, I want gasoline. Right. Um, so he ran through all these different flavors and, and, uh, I ended up on mocha. So in addition to not drinking coffee, late in the afternoons, I have, you know, you get that weird sugary thing going on in your, 
in your in your throat and your lungs and you can't breathe and you can't speak. So lesson learned. Again, this is why I don't do this very often um, and especially get sugary, sweet flavored coffee. So bear with me while, uh, while my body sort of neutralizes the effects of this stuff. There was a, speaking of that, there was a, and totally, again, totally off topic. There was a thing on Facebook. Somebody posted a question and it's been making the rounds. I, I don't know what the origin was, but it, and related to coffee, it said, it was, it was worded kind of strange too. It said, how, not how many cups of coffee do you drink? Uh, and not how many times it was something like, how often do you drink coffee per month? Was some, it, the way it was phrased was really off. Um, and I, you know, I kept, I kept seeing it pop up on different people's feeds. I thought, you know, the easier question would be to ask most of us, how often do you not drink coffee? (laughs) You know, I could, I could pinpoint that. How often do I not drink coffee? Mm, You know, Monday through Monday after 9am there, there's your answer. But now it was phrased kind of weird. So I didn't know if anybody had seen that. Got me into thinking there were probably different kinds of coffee drinkers, right? You could probably break that down statistically. Morning people. Uh, early morning people, half day people, all day people. Um, I've known people who could drink coffee at night, two cups. Didn't phase their sleep, which to me is kind of strange. I don't know how you can, I don't know how you look at coffee as sort of a a relaxant, but hey, if you can get away with it, that's cool. So, uh, (laughs) back to, back to actual veterans news. Oh, I want to let you all know for everybody's listening at the halfway mark. Uh, of the show today, around uh, 5.30-ish, 5.28, 5.30-ish. Uh, we're going to have our guest on today, Ken Fisher. He's the chairman and CEO of Fisher House Foundation. And for those of you familiar, that's going to ring a lot of bells for you. Um, great organization. They've been doing wonderful things for, for military, for vets, for their families. And I'm not going to delve into um, the storyline. I want Ken to walk through it. But again, that's at the halfway point, so... If, if my voice bores you or if listening to veteran news bores you, come back at the halfway point because uh, Ken Fisher is going to be on. And I will let you know, if anybody out there listening wants to call in, every now and then we've had people call uh, either during a guest segment when we're about to wrap up or after the show. And they've said, oh, I want to talk to the host or I have a question or I want to talk to the guest. Get ready now. You can call in anytime you want. I'll talk to you. I don't care. But if you want to, if you want to chime in uh, with a question, with a comment, you want to talk about something for a minute or two, that's cool. Call in, right, you know, get ready now. It's four one two. Are you copying? Get a pen. Four one two. That's right. It's a Pittsburgh area code. Eight two five six two six two. Again, four one two eight two five six two six two. If you want to call, call. We'll talk. Um, I can't guarantee we'll get to questions, multiple questions during the, uh, the guest segment. Um, but if we have people backed up and lined up, uh, calling in, then we can, we'll, we'll figure it out. But again, if you have a question or a comment, you want to talk to me, you want to scream at me, you want to agree with me, you want to, I don't know, you want to offer me to you wanna offer to have me over for dinner. That's cool. Call in. So this week, uh, the president signed what is being called the largest VA budget ever. President Donald Trump signed the Department of Veterans Affairs fiscal 2019 budget into law on Friday, giving the department a funding boost of more than 6% to 
and pushing the agency's total spending over $200 billion for the first time. I sound like Dr. Evil when I say that. $200 billion. The president finalized the bill at a ceremony held in the North Las Vegas VA Medical Center. Because <laughs> where, where, right? What would be more appropriate than having the biggest budget ever, $200 billion, laying it on the table in Vegas? <laughs> yeah. Um, surrounded by federal officials and local veterans, he praised the massive spending measure as another promise kept by his administration. Uh, with this funding bill, we have increased the VA's budget to the largest ever, he said. We are delivering the resources to implement crucial VA reforms. The bill, that was the end of the quote, the bill includes $1.1 billion for the start of a VA electronic health records overhaul and $400 million for opioid abuse prevention within the department, both efforts touted by Trump in the past. Final deal also includes a $1.75 billion increase, billion with a B, in money tied to the VA Mission Act, passed at the start of the summer. The legislation will rewrite the department's community care programs, expanding veterans' ability to access private health care at taxpayer expense. That money had stalled negotiations on the budget bill for months. And, and Democrats said they still are not satisfied with the short-term spending plug to cover what is expected to be an even bigger financial hole next year. The bill the president signed today leaves a funding gap. You know, politicians, they love that word, right? Funding gap. Oh, it drives me nuts. Anyway, the quote is, the bill the president signed today leaves a funding gap in May of 2019, expected to grow to more than $8 billion in fiscal year 2020, said Patrick Leahy, Democrat from Vermont, and the top Democrat on the Senate Appropriations Committee. The VA, where am I? The VA funding legislation also includes $10 billion in military construction funding for 2019, as well as the full year budgets for the legislative branch and federal agency programs. That, again, that word, folks, that word, the word that, yeah, funding gap. Funding gap. Think about that for a minute. This is the largest VA budget ever. And this guy is complaining because there's not enough money. <laughs> what? Okay. All right. See, this is why people like me are very skeptical. This is why we're critical of the VA. This is why we're critical of government in general. Okay, that, that is absolute nonsense. Maybe they need to uh, streamline their operations a little bit. Now, I will say, in recent weeks, I've spoken with a lot of folks. Um, we had John Rowan on here, who's the president of the Vietnam Vets of America. Um, Paul Cunningham, who's the president of Korean War Vets. Uh, who else? I'm running this off the top. Oh, Darren Selnick, who was a, a White House VA advisor, a senior VA advisor, and he now works for Concerned Veterans for America. And I just this week spoke to another guy who has given testimony for years in front of Congress. Uh, I'm going to tee that up at a later point. But he's an expert. He's a VA expert. Um, he's been doing this for 20-some years. And all of those guys have walked me through Because I've thrown out my criticism of the VA to these folks. I've said, you know, here's how I feel, right? You know, and I rant and I growl and I spit. And they say, okay, cool. You know, we acknowledge 
you know, we acknowledge what you're saying, understand where you're coming from. However, here's the other side of it. Now, I will say the $200 billion budget uh, really drives me nuts. And the fact that there is a politician now using this, again, as a political hammer, a mallet, and complaining that there's not enough money. Well, when is it enough? Right? When, when is it enough? What is the end? What's the wall? The other side of it, however, the other side of it is, <clears throat> you know, increases in demand for service from the VA, right? As, uh, who was it? I think John, it was John Rowan uh, and Darren Selling both pointed out that over the years, because there's been an expansion in the number of people requesting VA care, that the VA, uh, it's not, it, I hate to use these words, it's not really their fault completely. Um, the, 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 the quality of service at the end user point, in some cases, is subpar. In some cases, right? The minority of cases. At the back, at the front end, you have increased numbers by tens of thousands of people now requesting VA care, right? Requesting the services of this agency. Uh, on a, you know, on an apples for apples basis, the dollars have not kept up with the services provided. So I get that. I totally get that. And I appreciate those guys walking me through it because it's very easy. And I've said this before. It's very easy to be on the sidelines, uh, you know, throwing rocks and hurling insults, get in the game, right? So I get in the game by trying to educate myself. That's how I do it. And then I get on the mic and I spit it back at all of you. Um, but do your research. And, and if you have, again, if you have an opportunity, talk to somebody about this. If you want to talk to these guys or you want to email them, let me know. I'll give you their contact info and you can hook them up as long as it's a legitimate question. Hook them up. They'll hook you up as long as you have a legitimate question um, and you're polite and respectful or a better route. Here's a better route. If you have a question about the VA, because I'm telling you, I've learned a ton in the last month and a half, a ton of stuff. Now, I'm still critical of the VA because I think there's a lot they could do to turn the ship. I do. I think there's a lot they could do. And there's a lot of resistance within those walls, just like every other agency in D.C. But if you want to know more, if you want to learn the things that I've learned, if you have legitimate questions for the people who are experts, these are people, again, these are people who go and give congressional testimony. They've been, you can see them, you can watch them on C-SPAN, right? You can YouTube them all over the interwebs, right? These guys are, these guys are experts in this agency and in this realm. So if you have questions, if you want information on this stuff, if you're wondering what's going on, um, drop an email, editor, drop, drop an email to editor at theveteransreport.com. That's a better route to go. We'll collect all the questions, send it to these guys and get answers. How's that? Post them on Facebook. Just a Q&A. We'll just post a Q&A on Facebook. So again, if you, if you have a question, send an email to editor at theveteransreport.com. That's all one word. Because um, we had talked about, you know, I'd groused about the vacancies too, the vacancies at the VA. They had, you know, tens of thousands, oh, what was it 40,000 or something, 40,000 open jobs. And you look at it and you think, what, what do you, the, the, the natural inclination, and I did this, I fell into this trap. The natural reaction to hearing that, well, you have 40,000 open jobs. Here's my left hand, right? 40,000 open jobs. Here's my right hand. Guys complaining about the care that they're not getting or uh, being pushed away or, you know, uh, claims not even being processed. 
So what's the natural equation there, right? You say left plus right equals, <laughs> you know, VA is not doing their job. That's that's the natural reaction, okay? Say, well, obviously, if you have all these openings, why don't you fill them and ergo, right, uh, care somehow uh, manifests and becomes better. That's not the case, guys. That is not the case, and gals. Uh, that's that's Again, that's where I was six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. You know, pounding my fist on the table saying, get it together, VA. Come on, guys. But now that I've talked to all these experts, people who have dealt with this stuff for decades, um, I'm not going to say I've had a wholesale change of perspective, but I've certainly, um, I've supplemented my knowledge base. Let's put it that way. I have a more balanced uh, outlook on the VA and how they operate, so. And I will say, uh, the guy I talked to this week, again, I'm not going to give you his name because we want to, we're going to try to, we're going to try to work something out with him in terms of being on the show on a regular basis. So I don't want to let that slip yet. Um, he has told me though, he walked through some really, really, and this is just a teaser, walked through some really interesting stats on fraud at the VA. And I was stunned that, uh, that the 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 number of cases that are deemed quote unquote fraudulent uh, or people you know people scamming right people trying to scam the system is way minimal. I we were talking numbers and he said, well, how many do you think? And I pitched it and he said, nope. Try again. I pitched it again. Nope. And this is a guy who dealt with this was his job. His job was to track this stuff for years. This was his paid job. Um, so I, again, I was surprised. I was shocked. So, uh, like I said, uh, if you want more information, you want, you have questions, information, uh, uh, complaints, right? You want, if you have a, if you, again, a legitimate one, guys, you know, don't, don't, um, not, not about your specific claim or, you know, I don't want to get an email in 1996, uh, I got a 15% rating and I should have gotten 18%. I don't, not that stuff. Right. I mean, legitimate big picture questions. What's going on with the VA? How are you spending the money? Uh, you know, I went to this facility and this is what I went through at this facility. How do we address that? Right. Or uh, things about prescriptions. Maybe you have a concern about prescriptions, uh, them over prescribing certain drugs or not prescribing enough. I don't know. But uh, shoot those over and we'll, we'll get them knocked out for all of you. It's a fascinating topic. It really is. You could have a, you could have an entire show. Um, just on the VA. <laughs> I just got a, uh, I got a statement uh, via, where are we here? The Facebook live chat. Uh, unless you've gone through the process, this is a direct quote, unless you have gone through the process of being hired for a government job, you will never understand the pain of it. Amen. Been there, done it, didn't like it. Not going to do it. Perfect statement, though. Perfect statement. I, I assume you're referring to the government as a whole, not just that specific job, because the hiring process itself is is uh, horrible, but working for the government, man, oh, man, what, what an eye-opener that was. That's a topic for a different day, though. Topic for a different day. Um, oh, man, we're getting all kinds of stuff going on here. Well, thank you, Ice. 
ice at uh, at WTF Nation is is feeding me here. Um, Don said it's going to be bottlenecked if the modern technology information sharing is opened up and the vets become aware of certain services they need to be checked out on. It would overwhelm the scheduling system. Uh, yeah. So uh, currently, yes. But that's what I think. That's what they're trying to attack with. Um, so you got two different software, and we're getting way off track here. Two different software systems, right, or 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 programs within uh, within the VA. You've got the old school system, the old filing system that they use, which is still uh, like DOS based, right? It goes back to the early '90s. So you've got that. That can get overwhelmed, and it does get overwhelmed. You've also got this new initiative with the electronic health records. Which is all this stuff's run by contractors. That's what I learned this week. I didn't realize every aspect of this is run by contractors, right? There's not there's not some weird computer staff running around the VA. They contract all this stuff out, and that's why it's so bloody expensive. Um, but the electronic health record initiative, which is still underway and driving me nuts, uh, and and I just teed that up. The, the funding for that is provided by this new VA budget, right? In the billions of dollars. They are using the same contractor, Cerner, that put together the DOD electronic health records. Uh, ostensibly, they will uh, interface with each other, right? That was the point of using the same contractor and the same software and the same system to have them interface. So once, once a person leaves the military, they should be able, theoretically, right, to take that record at DOD and it should be an electronic transfer uh, to VA at some point. Right, so there's no more carrying around that that uh, stinky brown medical record folder that you you used to, right? And having the frayed edges and trying to stuff it all and in, uh, into a file folder, but um, it'll all be electronic. But that's why they're using the same contractor. Um, one more. Oh, we got one more. I'll, I'll read one more, and I gotta, gotta get off the X here. Uh, is there anything we as vets? This is from Jazz. Is there anything we as veterans can do to make the VA what we need it to be? I went to the El Paso facility and was told I could not get an appointment until December of 2018. December. It's only September. Uh, yeah, to answer your question, Jazz, that's the very question I ask all these folks that I talk to. And the answer I have gotten over and over, and this is going to sound really simplistic, is get involved. By that, what they mean is um, get involved legislatively. Reach out to your your uh, whoever your congressperson is, your representative. Uh, lay out your concerns and make sure they move on them. Now, I, I will tell you that representatives by by themselves have zero impact on what goes on at the VA, right, as individuals, none. But if you get your name out there, it gives them something. It gives them a ball to carry. That's what representatives want, right? They're looking for a mission. They're looking to play hero. And I don't, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I don't, okay? But any representative, Democrat, Republican, West Coast, East Coast, doesn't matter. They want to be a hero, to someone because and I can guarantee they're going to they're going to use that later but they want to carry the ball for you okay it helps them in terms of visibility in terms of success so the the to answer your question uh what how do you make the VA what you want it to be you have to get involved you can't I've said this before you can't rely on American Legion VFW uh DAV you can't rely on those people to fix it for you they're at the big big level right they're at the 30,000 foot level you need to be down at the ground level so contact your representative, lay out your concerns, um, you know, try to schedule a time with them or put together a very well-written uh, email or letter 
and get it to them. Their staff, you, you might have to deal with some of their staffers. They will get it to the rep, though. When it comes to veterans issues, the reps will drop what they're doing uh, because it's so high profile. And and frankly, you know, groups like the Legion and the VFW, they carry a big, big stick in Washington, D.C. And the last thing any of these reps want to do is cross those folks. I'm telling you, I, I worked there. I worked with those groups. I worked in D.C. The last thing any rep wants is to cross one of those big VSOs. Because you have tens of millions of, of constituents that are suddenly uh, on your bad side. They don't want that. So get involved. That's the answer. Get involved. Detail it. Uh, don't scream at your reps. Don't use profanity. Be respectful. Act like an adult. Um, act like you want something from them. But get involved. So, um, man, we should do this. We should do this every show. What do you think, Ice? I think we should do this every show. Uh, no, this is cool, man. But uh, again, any of you who had questions, uh, Jazz or or Don uh, or Everett or any of you who uh, who had questions that I didn't get to, um, you know, feel free to. You can drop them to uh, drop them to WTF folks. You can drop them to me, uh, and we'll get you answers on this stuff. So, and uh, legitimate questions, right? These these are the kinds of questions that you got to be able to bring to your rep. Uh, as far as scheduling uh, goes. I don't know what to tell you as far as a delay goes. Um, I mean, that's that's unacceptable to, to have to wait three months. I don't know if there's a way you can go outside the system. I don't know if you can go to a different provider. Um, ask. I mean, go go ask. Ask somebody else. Go to a different VA. Call a different VA and ask them what you can do. I don't know. I don't know. I, and I... If I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you I don't know. I'm not going to blow smoke. So, because um, I don't, I certainly don't want to give somebody the wrong uh, azimuth on their compass on this one. So, um, yeah. But again, I, I would suggest uh, contacting another VA center and see what kind of answer you get. Uh, and then contact your rep. I'm telling you, I've worked with uh, I've worked with people in Congress, uh, both locally and and then uh, at the federal level and. They will help. They will bust their butt uh, if you have a legitimate concern. And you got to show a little bit of patience. They're not going to fix it in two hours. Okay, this isn't Hollywood. It takes them a couple of weeks to kind of, you know, do the dance and, and light a fire. But I've, I have one case in particular, and then I got to get off the air here. Um, one case in particular where I had a buddy who's going through some stuff. I called a rep I knew, and I'm t- within 48 hours, he was already lined up with three specialists. So when they have time, they will do what they can. They will kick in that door for you. Okay? So that's, that's I'm beating this one to death, but I want to make sure you understand. Get involved with your reps. And, uh, okay, rock on me. Okay. So yeah, we're going to do, we're going to do more of this uh, in future shows because this is good stuff. This is good stuff. This is, this is the point of the show is to give you guys information. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to get some water, uh, to chase away my coffee spit and then, uh, When we come back, we're going to have our guest with us, Ken Fisher, the chairman and CEO of Fisher House Foundation. So hang in there. If you want to keep up with the latest in veteran news away from the radio, stop by our website at www.theveteransreport.com. There you'll find news headlines along with links to media outlets around the world. You can also find links to every state's veteran services office. And for you film buffs, there's even a link to a war movie database. We appreciate you stopping by the Facebook page 
at facebook.com slash the veterans report there like the website you'll find the latest news and information related to veterans for you high-speed individuals who want to limit yourself to 140 characters stop by our twitter account it's a great way to find information on veteran organizations throughout the country and what they're up to you can tweet us by using at the vets report if you'd like to email the show directly please send us your input comments or suggestions to editor at theveteransreport.com. Thanks again for checking out our pages. Thanks for listening. And thank you for supporting our veterans community. back on the veterans report thanks for hanging in there uh as promised we have with us our guest ken fisher the chairman and ceo of fisher house foundation ken how are you i'm well jim thank you how are you i'm doing really well thanks so much for calling in this is uh this is big well i appreciate the opportunity (laughs) not at all no i i really do i appreciate you calling in um Fisher House has probably one of the best reputations in the in the military and veteran community. And no matter where you go, no matter who you talk to, if you say Fisher House, people smile. And uh, it's that you know that's from my perspective. But I've talked to people across the country, and not one time have I heard a negative word about you guys. And it's all been positive. So whatever you're doing, you're doing it right, Ken. Well, you know what? That's it's very important, you know, for us be able to take advantage of the that we have. And, you know, I've been blessed in my life, and I never served. I didn't wear the uniform. But, uh, you know, it's it's up to all of us, I think, across this country uh, to do a little bit more for veterans because the government uh, is not going to do everything. And we can't just sit back and point out the problem. We need to be part of the solution. And that's what drives Mr. House. So let's get into... Um Let's start. Uh, we'll start sort of big picture. Uh, wh- what is for for those unaware, and if you're unaware, shame on you. But for those who are unaware, what is Fisher House Foundation? Sort of what what's your mission, and and who do you serve? Well, we serve veterans of all wars and and their families. Uh, we're not just a post nine eleven uh, organization. And what Fisher House does is it gives it, it offers a home away from home for families of are injured or are wounded, uh, active duty, uh, and families of veterans as well who are requiring treatment. So it's a home away from home uh, for these families. They could stay there free of charge uh, for as long as they need to. And so, so where I know that you guys are spread out, you're you're across the country. But I mean, are there specific locations you choose, and are those uh, are those locations chosen strategically? They are. Strategic, and the way it works is we work very closely with the Surgeon General and the VA. They tell us where they think the needs are going to be the greatest, and that's where we go. We don't just build houses for the sake of building them. Right now, you know, it's challenge. We're in a, a very challenged environment in terms of fundraising, so we want to make sure that when 
somebody comes on and, and asks us, you know, what do you do? How do you spend the money? We tell them exactly what we're doing. We build them where they're necessary. We're actually now, Jim, global. We have two in Germany at Lawn School. We have, uh, we've got one that we built for the U.K., for our allies over in the U.K. and Birmingham. So it's now a global foundation, and we're very proud of that. We're proud of the fact that, you know, we've had a public-private partnership that spans almost 28 years now. We build the houses, and then we gift them to whichever branch they'll serve or the VA. And they'll, in turn, agree to operate staff and maintain them in perpetuity. Don't get involved in uh, fundraising for staffing. We don't get involved in fundraising for maintenance and operations. That would require a dual fundraising mechanism, and believe me, one is, one is enough. Oh, okay, so I didn't I didn't realize that I didn't realize that you didn't handle the staffing aspect. That's interesting. So, so you gift them to the various branches, and then what? They use military members, or do they use uh, dependents, or how do they how do they work that out? They staff them. Uh, they hire uh, the Fisher House managers. So while we don't uh, we don't get involved in the day to day operations, we never walk away, obviously. But uh, we we kind of embrace all of the managers. Uh, we do manager conferences uh, once a year, uh, and we do various activities that, um, that kind of brings them all together because really they got the hard job. Um, they, what we say is that they make the houses home. So the managers will deal with the families uh, and on a day-to-day basis. It's not what we do. Um, we, we're not involved in the, in the day-to-day operations. So, you know, for us, it's important just to support each house, uh, which is what we do. So that's how we kind of operate. We can't, we couldn't afford, really, to uh, hire anybody. Plus, you know, it's not our expertise. Our expertise is the mission itself, and that's all we do. We stick really to our mission. When we expand, we do so in a family way. So, you know, it's worked really well uh, for 28 years. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see much changing uh, in that regard. So, and it's, and it's so refreshing to see an organization that's as, I guess, big level humble uh, as, as you folks are. Um, you know, you sort of do your bit and then you step back into the shadows and you wait and then you do your bit, step back and let other people handle it. And that's, that's not something you see with a lot of nonprofits. So, um, that that is refreshing. Now, is that is that part of the legacy from your great uncle Zach? Yeah, I think so. For us, it was more important just to, to play the role that we play. Uh, you know, everybody that that works with me, and I say works with me because really, everybody you know does you know the job of three. We have a very small staff. You know, given the size of the foundation, we operate with a very small staff. Uh, and so it's important for us just to do the mission. We, we don't have the hard part. Building houses is not difficult for us. Um, you know, what is difficult is the families, what the, their circumstances and what they're going through. So, you know, we're just happy to play the role that we play. And one of the things that happens you know, inside of these houses that 
you know, that's so magnificent, really, is, you know, going back to the managers for a minute, the support system that forms. So we build these houses. We kind of step back, and we watch. And it's just amazing because some of these houses, you know, have 20 rooms. You know, there's 16,000 feet. But you would never know that you were standing inside a facility that's 16,000 feet. Uh, they're not a hotel. They have no, nothing to do with a hotel environment. And the families support each other. And they become one community under this roof. And really, it was a byproduct. It was something that, that my uncle didn't, didn't anticipate. So in other words, when we built the houses, they were very small at the beginning. Uh, and those were about five to eight rooms. And, you know, we were unsure as to what was going to happen. And then when we expanded the houses after 9-11, uh, and put more families in the house, the support system just grew. So it's just a phenomenal thing. So it's not about us, Jim. It's about the families, and it's about the men and women that wear or have worn this nation's uniform. Oh, absolutely. No, and that's that's what I was getting at. I mean, you, you as an organization, you are so humble, and, and you're doing it right, and you're on the right path, and it's it's setting such a good example for everybody else uh, in in the military veteran realm. I can't I can't say enough good words about it, but... Um, well, I appreciate it. So, in your, in, from your perspective, um, well, I guess from the organization's perspective, and then yours, why is there a need for Fisher House? Why don't the... Why don't you rely on like the VA and the DOD to take care of the families. I mean, ostensibly they are, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, they're the ones sort of causing the problem to begin with, right? So why aren't they taking care of this? Well, you know, we, that's one of the things we, we don't do. We don't sit back and ask why. There was a need. And, you know, the government, you know, has a, a great many things that they do. Sometimes there are things that kind of slip through the cracks and, you know, in, in the form of unmet needs. And, you know, it was that, that philosophy was, you know, don't sit back and ask why, because you're wasting time. You know, Zach said when this need was brought to his attention, uh, Zach said, you know, I'm a builder. You know, we're, we're developers in New York City by trade. You know, I can build a house. I have access to architects. Why can't I do this? And Zach, you know, who was a, a patriot, in, in every sense of the word, and, and an absolute saint, uh, built the first 10 to 15 houses with money from his own pocket. So, uh, you know, it wasn't until after the needs started to grow that, you know, the foundation was formed. <clears throat> so now you have a, uh, you have sort of a public-private or private-public partnership. Um, and how does that work? What's, what's sort of the structure behind that? Well, what happens is the, uh, the need is, you know, is it, we get a list from, from the various groups, whether it's the active duty or the VA, DOD or the VA. They kind of give us maybe a four- to five-year uh, list that targets where they think the needs are going to be the greatest. What we do is once the need's been validated, uh, we go over, and then we, we walk and pick the site. And the reason we do that is because the, the houses need to be within walking distance of the hospitals. That was another condition that Zach had. There can't be, you know, money that, that these families have to spend. Zach wanted these families to use the program and not go into their pocket for anything. Uh, so once we pick the site, 
Uh, it's basically the government just temporarily giving us the land, and we will go in and we will build the house. Some of these houses now are upwards of six to seven million dollars. We don't, you know, we build the best possible product that we can build because what we're what we're trying to do is honor the service and the sacrifices that these families and, and these men and women have made. And so we don't build something that's cheap. We don't cut corners. Uh, I build them as though we're a for-profit. And then once the houses are, are built and completed, we'll do a, a little dedication, and then we get them right back to whichever branch they'll serve. So what that does is that gives them a hard asset in the form of the house much cheaper and much faster than the government could have done. So we're actually, in, a, in addition to the, to the savings that we provide the families, we're actually you know, performing a service that saves the government money. And then they staff, operate, and maintain, as we talked before, uh, in perpetuity. So, so just, and you got to dumb this down for me a little bit. So mm-hmm. just, just so I'm totally clear on this, when you say you build a house and you gift it uh, or you turn it over to the branches. You're talking full on, right? You guys, you guys build the house. You you give them the deed. You say this is yours, and you that's it. That's it. That's they're it. on federal land. So when I say they're temporarily deeded to us, it really is a temporary kind of a deed. Uh, and then we build the asset, and then we gift it back to them. So yeah, and then uh, we move on and, and try and bless the next community uh, or the next hospital that uh, that's on the list. You know, we're, we're going to open, I guess, nine houses within the next year to year and a half, including uh, two in New York City in the borough of my birth, which I'm very proud of, uh, in the Bronx, uh, the VA, the Peters VA there. So that's, that's just what we do. There's no point in, in sticking around and waiting for people to recognize you because we're too busy for that. <laughs> uh, we really are. We just don't have time to stick around. And, you know, as I said before, when we expand, we expand in a family-oriented way. We've, we've branched out into uh, our Hero Miles program, which is a partnership with the airlines. Uh, people can donate their unused frequent flyer miles to us, and we in turn buy tickets so that family members can go back and forth, you know, any number of times. You know, as we know, the government does it once, but that, you know, life doesn't come to a halt for veterans' families uh, when their loved one is in the hospital. You know, bills still need to be paid, children need to be raised, uh, mortgages, you know, the, the same issues that, uh, that uh, hit the civilian world are hitting these families. But they have made incredible sacrifices uh, on behalf of this nation. The family serves, we've heard it before, but does anybody really understand what that means? And, you know, it, it's, we're very good at kind of pointing, you know, pointing out that, you know, this is, this is great what they do, and, and we thank them for their service. Our mantra has always been, thank you for your service is not enough, that these families need more than just a thank you. And they're not going to ask for help. It's not what they do. Nor should they have to. Um, in addition to that, we've got a hotel, uh, a hotel program that operates pretty much the same except with credit card points. People can donate their points to us, and we will uh, we'll put a family in a hotel for as long as they need to if there's not a house. 
uh, in, a, in a specific location, or we haven't opened it yet. Uh, we'll put them in there as long as they need to be there, uh, wherever there's a Fisher House or wherever one is coming. And, uh, and then we've got scholarship programs as well, one of which President Obama helped us with, uh, through the proceeds of his book, I, of the I Sing, the book that he wrote for his daughter. And we got the after-tax profit uh, to start a, um, a legacy scholarship program for those who have given the ultimate sacrifice uh, for the children of, the, of those um, brave people. And uh, uh, we've got one for military spouses, uh, which we do with the NMFA, and then one that we administer for the Defense Commissary Agency. So we're kind of getting involved in the whole family kind of, uh, you know, circumstance. <clears throat> so you're, you're spanning across a pretty big spectrum. So that's uh, – I'm glad you brought up the um... – the Hero Miles program and the Hotels for Heroes program, because those are those are aspects that a lot of people don't really consider right off the bat. They think primarily about medical care, um, and then maybe the after effects of of you know or the, or the follow up, the caregiving aspect. Um, but they don't often think about well, how's the family supposed to get back and forth? So those are fantastic. Well, that's what I mean when you know we've become better at recognizing that with service comes sacrifice, and you know while that is just not supposed to be when 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 a man or a woman raises their right hand they shouldn't have to sacrifice as much as they did uh and so you know for us it you know it becomes important not only to perform these the services that we perform but also to kind of educate people about the plight of the military family and i think we've been we've been instrumental i think i'm not going to tell you that you know that it was us that that brought this issue to the forefront, but I think it's important, you know, and we, you know, with, with the people that we deal with on a day-to-day basis that don't really take the time to understand it, uh, that's something that's important to us as well is to let people know that these people are making incredible sacrifices. And, you know, we all sleep well at night knowing that these men and women are out there, and, you know, we're very appreciative of the veterans who have served but, uh, you know, it's, it's more than just a thank you. We just need to do a lot more. So what we do is we've tried to kind of make become a quality of life initiative for these families. Uh, and so we're spanning those different areas. Uh, and really, that's about it. I mean, I don't see us expanding more than that, um, with the exception, obviously, of the adaptive sporting events that we've gotten involved in. Yeah, I was I was going to ask about that because speaking of sacrifice, you know, a lot of people sacrifice uh, physically um, in terms of you know limbs or eyesight or or traumatic injuries. Um, but a lot of folks in recent years, because of the advances in medicine, have been able to come back and participate in adaptive sports. Uh, you know, here in the U.S. and then at uh, like the Invictus Games. But how is how is Fisher House involved with that? Well, it began with the Warrior Games. Uh, and our involvement with the family and friends program. We were helping family and friends get back and forth, and we were assisting them with lodging and so forth uh, for the Department of Defense. And one year, uh, while they were still being held in Colorado at the Olympic uh, facility, uh, Prince Harry came, and because we had invited the team from the U.K. to participate. And uh, 
when Prince Harry came, he became enamored with what he saw. Now, when Prince Harry walks into a room, Prince Harry walks into a room as a two-time combat veteran. So when, when he does walk into a room, he gets my respect, not because he's a prince, because he's a veteran. And, and he really went in and felt a little heat, from what I understand. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it was, so when he brought it back, Fisher House was involved on a sponsorship uh, role. Uh, with family and friends from the U.S. It was the next year that they wanted to keep the games going that I was asked to bring them to America. And um, that turned out to be uh, two years uh, of my life, which was probably the most satisfying and fulfilling for me. But I got to tell you, if you talk about sacrifices, you know, if you talk to my wife, she'll tell you that... Uh, it's a miracle we're still married. Uh, my, my punishment for the two years that I worked pretty much every day on this was she made me go a week without a cell phone in my hand. That was a very difficult proposition. I'll bet. But it was really an incredible thing. You know, 95%, this is a statistic that's often quoted, 95% of the men and women wounded on the battlefield in OEF and OIF were surviving injuries that would have been fatal. Uh, the Vietnam, it was 73% as a, as a frame of reference. So these men and women were living through horrific injuries. Uh, the IEDs and, and uh, the post-traumatic stress and the traumatic brain injury. And uh, I thought it was a brilliant idea uh, to use adaptive sporting events to give these men and women a goal, something you know, while they're rehabbing every day and working so hard it gave them a chance to be competitive. And I think one of the things that I was, took the most satisfaction from uh, during my involvement with the adaptive sporting events, be it Warrior Games or Invictus, was that I saw families smiling. And Fisher House, we see them at their absolute worst possible time. Uh, you know, the phone call, their they drop everything, they run over to the hospital, whether it's across the country or, you know, state to state or whatever it is, uh, and their lives have been turned upside down. Uh, and it's just so gratifying to be involved and know that you played a role, you know, when it was, things were, were looking bleak, but we were involved in the celebration of, you know, what happens, you know, at the end of the story. Uh, and that's something I think that I wouldn't trade for anything. Those, as as hard as I worked at it, it was really just labor of love. And so, and, and I appreciate all that. That's um, I, I know that those games have been those. I won't say the games, the opportunity has been a life changer for a lot of these folks. Um, cause it's, it's very easy to go down the dark path. Um, and just for regular combat vets, but especially those who have, who have, uh, who've lost, uh, I guess, you know, physical, uh, limbs or, or they've had some kind of traumatic injury. It's very easy to go down the wrong path and, and being able to participate and just feel like a regular person, uh, makes all the difference in the world. Um, so Kent, what, from from your well, let me ask one other thing: Is there a way for people, just people off the street, right? Is there a way for people to get involved with Fisher House? Is there a way for people to help? 
Well, there's a lot of different ways, Tim, and, and you know, one of them is the obvious, and that's to donate. But it's not the only way to get involved with us. You can volunteer. Uh, you can, you know, you can donate your unused frequent flyer miles to us, or you know, or the, um, or get into our, you know, our our hotels for heroes program. Uh, there are there are different ways, and it's not always about money. Uh, and I think that's important for everyone to know. But one thing I will say is that if you do donate a dollar to us, then what you should know is that 94 cents, 93 to 94 cents on that dollar is going to go to building a house or it's going to go to helping a military family uh, in one of the other ways that we do it. Uh, and I think that's something else that I am most proud of is how lean we operate this foundation. Um, we've been A-plus rated for 15 straight years. The foundation has gotten, you know, a lot of recognition in that sense. And, you know, in that way, I don't mind getting recognized. <laughs> uh, because it's so important. You know, with all of the, the negative stories that you hear about this foundation or that foundation, and we won't mention names, but... You know, you hear the stories about so much waste, and it's really not a regulated world. Um, you know, there's no specific benchmark in terms of how much you can take out for, uh, for administrative and so forth. Uh, and, you know, it's always been, you know, it's always been important to us to operate lean, to stick to the mission, not to kind of be all things to all people. Uh, and I think we have become very successful at that. And, you know, while I, I never bring it up, the metrics are what really tell the story. I mean, we operate, I used to say that we operate like a public company that didn't need to be bailed out. We, we operate as though we're a for-profit, and the people that donate to us, we look at as shareholders. And the shareholders' dividends are tonight. Almost 1,100 families will sleep safely in the Fisher House somewhere around the world. Uh, 32,000 families at the end of the year will have used the Fisher House or benefited from the program. Um, we've saved these families, I think, in excess of $400 million in total lodging and travel and, you know, all with the other services that we provide. That's the kind of thing that makes me proud, that, that not only are we operating lean and we can tell a donor exactly where their money went, how it was used, uh, et cetera, but, and we say look at the website and follow what we do because we, we're busy. <laughs> the, the, the numbers change almost you know, every month. There's another house that opens somewhere. We've been very busy. So, you know, it's, it's sometimes challenging for me to kind of allocate my time, but, I mean, this is, this is something you make time for. Well, and I, I got to tell you, you've obviously been making the time because it's um, – I, I pulled up your website again, uh, and I've forgotten how robust this is. There, It's just – for anybody interested, for anybody listening, go to fisher, fisherhouse.org. Um, and there's just, it, it's, it's all kinds of information and, and, uh, 
uh, different tabs you can click on. But you brought up the financials, and for anybody interested, mm-hmm. and I don't want to dive too far into that, but for anybody interested, um, the financials are posted on your website, which, and I know that under certain uh, IRS rules, if you're a nonprofit, people can request them, but not every organization posts them. Uh, you're obviously very proud of how lean your organization is because they're right there. So if, if anybody listening wants to pull the numbers, they're on the website. Um, so they're there. And Ken, I just want to say we have about a minute left. Uh, what What do you think is the most important aspect of Fisher House? Well, I could say the obvious, which is the lodging component and the savings so forth. I think what I'm most proud of, and I think what sums up the foundation is, is that we we honor service and we honor sacrifice. And I think that's something that, you know, you pointed out before, we, we don't stand around and wait for the light to come on. We, we like to get in. We like to do it. We like to move on. But we always stay involved. And, you know, like I say, when... When a family comes up and says thank you, as as wonderful as that is, and but humbling, it always makes you stop and say, "Why are you thanking me? This is to thank you." And you know, it's a debt that we'll never ever be able to repay. Well, Ken, you're you're uh, you know people people talk about patriotism and heroism, and I got to say, what you're doing, you, you are the patriot and you are the hero. And from from a service member. I do want to say thank you, and I know a lot of folks across the country would say the same. So um, we, we appreciate everything you're doing, and uh, please keep on keeping on. And if you need any assistance, if you need any volunteers, please contact us because we'll, we'll put you in touch with more people. Well, Jim, thank you, and, and I will say this, you know, with all, you know, with all humility and but with sincerity, thank you for your service. And to your listeners, thank you all for your service. Well, thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. That was Ken Fisher, chairman and CEO of Fisher House Foundation. And that'll do it for this episode of the Veterans Report. Until next time, I'm your host, Jim Cannon. You've been listening to the Veterans Report. Let others know about the show. You can find us online at theveteransreport.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to editor at theveteransreport.com. Join us again at the same time for up-to-date veterans news and information. The Veterans Report. Thank you for your service and carry on. The Veterans Report has been sponsored by James Cannon.